Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Der Ausblick, where today we are taking a look at Bayern's semi-final matchup against Olympique Lyonnais. Uh, to my guests currently, I apologize in advance for my terrible pronunciation of French <laughs> names because today I am joined by a French soccer journalist. You can hear him in the United States on ESPN. You can hear him overseas on the Totally Football Show, RMC Sport, and BBC Five Live. I am joined by Julian Laurent. Julian, how are you today? I'm very good thank you thank you for having me thanks for coming on we don't have a uh, a bevy of uh, french soccer journalists at sb nation so the fact <laughs> that we were able to put this together is fantastic so we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk this Lyonnais team that shocked manchester city and made it to the semi-finals of the champions league despite the fact that this is the same team that finished seventh in league on this season so before we talk about the team itself, let's go ahead and look at that season. The team finished 7th in Ligue 1, as I mentioned. They played teams in the top 10 11 times in the shortened season, and they won two games, drew one, lost eight of them. That includes two losses to Lille and PSG, a loss to Rennes, Marseille, Nice, and Montpellier. The draw was to Rennes, and Monaco and Angers were the only two wins that they had early in the season, and they were their first two wins of the season before they dropped as low as 17th and then fought their way back up to that 7th position. So, Julian, why was it such a tough season for this Lyonnais team? Well, first of all, they got the... Um... The big call of last summer wrong, which was the new manager. We knew that Bruno Genesio, who did quite well for them, uh, was leaving the club, couldn't, I think, cope with the, um, the sort of toxic atmosphere around him. And Juninho, who came back to the club, you know, the, the, the legend, maybe the best player that Lyon has ever had, came back as a sporting director. And his first call was to make that choice. Who was going to be the next manager? He went for Silvino, the, the former Manchester City and Arsenal left back, the Brazilian who's a close friend of his, who didn't have any experience as a first, first team manager, but as an assistant was quite good and quite respected. So Juninho thought he's going to be the guy. And he was no, never the guy. He was not even near being the guy. And I think that that started the season badly, although, as you said, they won their first two games and it looked okay, especially the 6-0 win against Angers in the second game of the season. But after that, it all went pear-shaped and they had to change and Lyon never, ever sack a manager through the season. They always wait until the end, whether that's Claude Puel, for example, or anybody else. They wait until the season is, is finished before getting rid of him. Uh, so it must have been really bad for Olas and Juninho to decide, especially for Juninho, considering Silvino was his friend and so close to him. To get, to get rid of him, and then they appointed Rudy Garcia. But Rudy Garcia came after three years in Marseille, and the rivalry between the two clubs, Lyon and Marseille, is so big. The fans hate each other so much that, again, there was so much negativity. It was so toxic around Garcia being appointed at Lyon. The ultras didn't want him there. There was protest. There was, they were booing him, everything. So that took a long time to get going as well. And I think by the time that got going, they also lost Memphis Depay to injury. Jeff Renadelaï to injury and they never really recovered from, from all of those incidents. That's why they finished seventh in a season that was shortened by 10 games. So maybe had they played those 10 games, they would have finished a bit higher. But seventh, in fairness, is probably where they deserve to be. And that means that this team that made the semifinals wouldn't qualify for the Champions League from league standpoint. So let's talk about something else that probably definitely impacted their season. It was their terrible 
unfortunate run of form in the transfer market. So they brought in people like Anderson from Sampdoria, Kone from Lille, uh, René Adelaide from Angers, as you mentioned, but they lost so many big names, specifically Ferlan Mendy to Real Madrid, Nabil Fakir to Real Betty, and Tangi and Dombele off to Tottenham. Who did they rely on to step up and uh, fill the roles of these players that they missed, and were they able to perform to the expectations of, uh, of Lyon, of being a massive club in in France I mean it's it's not easy when you lose your you know your three best players arguably three of your best players Fallon Mendy had been exceptional for them and in fairness when when they can sell him for four times the price they bought him a year a year earlier or two years earlier to Real Madrid you have to take it he has to Fernand Mendy as a player has to take it he cannot say no to Real Madrid and to Zinedine Zidane Lyon cannot say no with Nabil Fekir he should have gone the summer before to Liverpool didn't happen because Liverpool got cold feet there was his knee problem blah 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 but he was always going to leave uh, like he did last summer we were surprised he went to Betis and that not bigger clubs were in for him but again Lyon promised him to let him go they had to let him go and then Tanguy and Dombele, again, you cannot refuse an offer six times bigger than the price you paid for him 12 months earlier. They bought him from Amiens for 10 million euros. Spurs came in with a crazy offer of 60 plus million euros. They had to say yes. And Dombele wanted to come to England. So, but this is, this is how those clubs work in, in Lyon, respect. Their academy is so good. They produce so many good players that then want to go to bigger things. We saw it with Lacazette, we saw it with Benzema, we saw it with Umtiti, and the list goes on. This time it was Fekir's turn. Mendy and Dombele are part of the great scouting network that they have and the great recruitment that they often do, going and get players for little money and then being able to sell them for a lot, which a lot of French clubs do. Lille is the same, Monaco is the same. You know, this, this is also what we do in Ligue 1. Let's not forget Ligue 1 is a feeder league. So in all cases, this is all normal. Uh, the, the difficulty is when you, you try to replace those players and it just doesn't work out that well. When Ndombele came in, you know, he was, he was great. Fellow Mendy was great at left back. Uh, when you have them to replace Ndombele and Mendy and you go and get Kone, who is nowhere near as good. And then you realize that just a few weeks in. When you go and get Thiago Mendes, who you didn't mention, but from Lille as well for 25 million euros, which is a lot of money. And you clearly see early that, again, he's not as good as Ndombele. He's different, has a different profile, but he's not adapting quickly and, and well enough to the new team. Already you're on the back foot because the guys you thought could come in and walk in those footsteps of the ones that you've just sold, they're not good enough. So already that's a, that's a hindrance and that's, that's not exactly what you had in mind. So... Anderson, I thought, was really good with Sampdoria. It's a different league. It's a different style of football. He has struggled to adapt. I think his second season right now should be better. Uh, but Kone was, was no good. Mendes, I like him a lot. He was not good either. Maybe it's the, the, the system. Maybe he needed to come in a team that was playing well straight away. And that was not Lyon's case, as we explained before. Tough start of the season. Uh, and then they went and get Jeff Renal Adelaide, who was very good with Angers, who they paid a lot of money, 30 million euros in total with bonuses, who's still a young player and who, unfortunately for him, got injured pretty quickly as well in December, like Memphis Depay. So let's say that usually summers are good in Lyon in terms of recruitment, but last summer was a bit tough. So 
how unbelievable is it that this team that lost so many players was able to not even have just a finish in the top 10 of French football, even though Lyon has a phenomenal tradition as they are easily one of the three best teams in all of French hist in French football history. But how more insane is it that they were able to perform so well in the Champions League to the point that they made it to the semifinals? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, uh, I think there's a few reasons for that. Um... First of all, and I think you know, I think we have to really have to go back to to the beginning. Uh, it was a it was a tough draw, I thought, for them uh, in the group stages with uh, with Zenit, with Leipzig, and with with Benfica. On paper, it looked like you know quite a a balanced group, but I still think that for all the problems that we had mentioned, it was a tough group for them. And yet they beat Leipzig two 0 and then we will explain that later. But it looked like they worked really well against these kind of German teams, which I think Bayern, in some respect, is quite similar. Um, they, they drew with Zenit by not playing great, uh, but being strong enough, especially to come back from 1-0 down, to go and get a draw, which I think was very important for their confidence and for the momentum, considering, again, the tough start that they were having in, in, in Ligue 1. Um, as we said, the Leipzig win is a huge win. It's a huge win for Silvino at the time. We're still in charge. That, that bought him a little bit of time. But they profited and benefited from some mistakes from Upamecano especially. But also they were very good to pounce on, on every little defensive fragility from, from Leipzig. They were well organized. I thought they were very solid in midfield in that game. The, the, the reverse fixture, they drew 2-2. And I think, again, they did really well against a team like Leipzig with all their intensity and all their movement and everything. So already there, we, we had a glimpse of what they could do, actually. The problem was the consistency. In the league, they were all over the place. A good performance now and again. And then they were disastrous or average. But in the Champions League, to be fair, even after they lost to Benfica, uh, they won at home to Benfica. Then they go and lose at Zenit, which means that it's all on the last game uh, to qualify. And that drew against Leipzig with the Memphis Depay goal to make it 2-2 to send them through. I think has gave them so much momentum, so much confidence um, that that was a key key turn in the season. That two-two draw with Leipzig that meant they were going to go to the last sixteen. And then in December we have the draw with Juventus, and no one in France, maybe not in Lyon, can believe. Okay, this team there can beat Cristiano, Maurizio Sarri, and Juventus. And yet they go in February. They've lost the pie to injury. They've lost René Delay to injury. It's a new manager in Garcia. And they host Juventus and do so well in this new 3-5-2 formation, which again is the key for me. Garcia has a lot of flows. He's not my cup of tea. But this season, considering the situation when he arrived, as we said, toxic with the ultras, a team lost in confidence, not playing well, disorganized. He made them organized. He found them that system, the 3-5-2, that works so well for experienced defenders like Marcelo and also... Good defenders like Deneyer, but maybe not the most disciplined in a back four, but much better in a back five. Two wing-backs in Dubois and Cornet, who played really well in those positions. Three midfielders, especially after the arrival of Bruno Guimaraes, who worked so well in there. He was Tuzar against Juventus in the first leg, then it would be Guimaraes. 
and Kakre is not on the scene just yet, but you, you get the idea, you get the spirit, they play well on the counter. This is their style, this is their formation, and I think that worked well. And then the last bit of the jigsaw is that team spirit. They had to be united. They had to have that togetherness of we're going to fight together. Yes, we're not as good as PSG. We're not as good as the big European teams. We're not as good as Juventus. But if we have that togetherness, if we're well-drilled, well-disciplined, we're going to be very hard to break down. And that's exactly what they did. And I really think that just before lockdown and the Juventus win, but then during lockdown as well on, on their WhatsApp group, when they went back to training, they really had that mentality of this is us against the world. No one is betting on us. No one believes in us. We will show people. We will show them. And I think Garcia, this is where he's good at. He's really good at us bringing that team together. Same at Roma. Same in Marseille. Look, they criticize us. They don't believe in us. Let's show them. We can do this. We, you know, we're good enough. We can do this. And I think that sort of my management really worked for this group of players. The pie came back, and the pie is a big key in that squad. Is the is the captain, but he's he's the lad. You know, he's he's the boss. There, there's no there's no other way of putting it. He's the boss, and I think him coming back with this, his kind of determination of toughness, I think inspired the rest of the squad. And, and that's why the second leg happened the way it did in Turin. I was there for CBS. I saw it. They were nowhere near as good as Juventus, but they were better organized. They were better collectively. Juventus were maybe better individually, but they were better collectively. And then they believed, they fought hard, they played for each other, and that was enough. And against City, they benefited from Pep doing what Pep does, which is bottling up and messing things up. They Benefited from the referee on that second goal being a bit lenient, maybe. But then they, they believed. They believed. They knew that they'd beaten them before last season. They drew with them last season. They knew they were high line, that they could run in behind and, and use that. And that's why Toko Ekambi started ahead of Dembele. And Toko Ekambi, it's only Toko Ekambi, but he can run. He can run well. He's intelligent. So he was very good in the run that he made against City. And that was enough for them to win. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for everything that they do in Europe this season. So let's go ahead and look at each group of players. On that defense, in that back three, as you mentioned, who have they been relying on, I would say, outside of Marcelo and Marsal because they're aging. They're going to inevitably uh, retire from the team. So is there anybody in the squad right now that they that's a bit younger that they've really been relying on to be that future that stalwart defender uh much like marcel and marcel have been for this team for so many years yeah i mean i think i think Denis, yeah, because he's only 25 because i think he has really something in terms of leadership as well i think he's quite good on the ball he's quick he's athletic he's not the tallest okay i give you that but he's a very intelligent player and i think he has a lot of top qualities to be a top centre-back and he still has room for improvement and I think that we could see we haven't even seen the really best of of, of uh, Jason Denayer so I think Denayer is there what's interesting with Marcelo this season and which is again you can easily sum up the Lyon season by looking at Marcelo but Marcelo was at war with the Ultras just before Christmas they had a huge fight uh, almost almost physically on the pitch they were, you know in France we say that when you're a bad player we call you a goat which is you know funnily enough the GOAT is the greatest player of all time. But in France, if you say Chev or your Chev, you're, you're, you're really bad. Uh, and one day they had that banner in the ultra section at, at the Lyon Stadium where it was Marcelo as a donkey, as a GOAT, like, you know, as a, as a kind of Chev, as a GOAT donkey, you know, whatever. Which he took, obviously, very personally and rightly so, to be fair. Lost, lost his chisel completely. And, and everybody thought in January he would go. 
But he's he's good. He's he's a he's a good player. To be fair, he's not Beckenbauer, but he's a good player. He's got great mentality, great leadership. He's a fighter. You don't mess with him in Turin in the second leg. Cristiano at the beginning of the game tried to no no no. Marcelo put him back into his place. You know, and and if you want to go to war against Marcelo, good luck because the guy is is, is mental. And you need people like that. You need characters. Otherwise, you would not, you'd never go on a run like this in the Champions League if you don't have characters. And that's why they kept him. And I think the way he sort of redeemed himself. And even with the ultras, they, 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 they had a chat. I think they all for, for, sort of forgave each other. And that's fine. But you need someone like him as a sweeper. He can't really play anymore in a back four. But in a back five, it'll be like David Luiz. This is great. Um, then you've got the two wing backs. One is Dubois. He's a very good wide back. He's a French international. No problem. Left back. It's Maxwell Corner, who they move from left winger to, to sort of left wing back. He can't defend. Don't ask him to defend. But he will put tackle, as we saw against City. You know, last dish tackle. The guy there, he blocks the ball. He goes for it. No problem if he has not been uh, defended before. That's not his formation. You know, that whatever. He's going to go for it. And I like that spirit again. So defensively, that back five works well. They understand each other well. They know the weaknesses and the... And the and the strength of each other. They know what they're good at, not good at. They're not going to do anything crazy. And it works for what they do because Marcel can, can give you a, a good long ball in behind. Dubois can play along the channel. Denayer, as we said, can come out with the ball and play a little bit from the back and make good passes that can break the line. And Marcelo is your sweeper, no problem. And I think with Lopez in goal, who, okay, sometimes he's a bit crazy, sometimes he showboats a little bit, but he's good on his line. And again, he's a leader, he's vocal. After, this, after the, um, the De Bruyne goal against City, he was the one saying, come on, we can do this, don't worry, don't worry, it's okay, it's okay. And, 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 and it was fine. So I think that bike six, really, is interesting in, this, in, this, in the cohesion. Okay, again, they're not the most super talented, but they have something all together. Moving to that midfield now, what's their usual setup? How do or who do they usually rely on in which role, which position? Uh, give us the rundown on that. I mean, this is the strength for me, and again, I I cannot praise them enough. It's there's the three the children, even children. You know, Bruno Guimaraes is 22, arrived from Brazil in February. They beat Atletico Madrid for for his signing. He was he was. He was, he was a hot property in Brazil and you know you could see that you watch him with the Olympic team. He was doing great in the holding midfielder role, the way he positioned his body to receive the ball, to pass the ball, great intelligence, great, great legs as well, great engine, no problem. But again, how long will he need to adapt to French football, to European football? It's a different culture, you know, all the usual cliches. But he speaks French already. He's fluent, almost fluent in French. It's, it's incredible, really incredible. So you've got Guimaraes, who's not scared to play under pressure, play from the back, build from the back. Yes, sometimes he loses the ball. And, and again, he needs to improve. He needs to be a bit more mature. But in, incredible impact in that team in replacement of, of Luca Tuza as well, who, who left to Erta Berlin and could not finish the season with the team. And then the other two are pure products of the academy. The first one is Usem Awa, who I think people know because he's more established now. He's also 22. And we saw against City what he was all about. Under pressure, no problem. He can take on anyone. He can control the ball with his back to goal. Even under pressure, no problem. He won't lose it. His defensive play on the ball and his ball progression, even under pressure, even in his own 30 yards, is fantastic. I've rarely seen players as good as him for getting the ball on the, on the edge of their box 
and coming out with it under pressure. I think he's incredible because his first touch is so good. His technical skills are so good. He's elegant. He's so smooth. He's beautiful to watch. He's a, for me, he's a bowler and he's got a great future ahead of him. If he makes his next, if, if the next move is right, if, he, if he's clever in where he goes next. But we saw against City that Fernandinho is still looking for Awa. Where's Awa? Where, 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 where has he gone? What, what happened? And, you know, Fernandinho is 35. And I think we saw the 13-year difference big time in that game. And then the other one is the, the new kid on the blog, Maxence Cacré, who's again from the academy. And Lyon have one of the best academies in Europe in the way they can produce players, often players who were born in the area, who grew up in the area, which gives them even more a sense of pride. This is my team. This is my town. A bit like in Paris, to be fair. But I play, this is my, my dream was to play for Lyon, to, to do like Juninho. Juni, I grew up, you know, Cacré could say, I grew up watching Juninho 15 years ago. Uh, or Awa would say, you know, I grew up watching Juninho and or Essien or Diara or whoever in midfield and I want to do the same and both of them have been children from the club really and Kakre who's only 20 I think who's only played what three Champions League matches or four Champions League matches to show that maturity against Juventus against Manchester City this is who we're talking about you know it's Bentancourt it's De Bruyne it's Gundogan it's Rodri and to play the way he did to run that much, to put people under pressure, to not lose the ball. Okay, it's not always an incredible laser through ball, but it's quality. It's not losing the ball. It's being composed. I think it's incredible. And for me, those midfield three with, with as we say, Corne and Dubois on each side has been fantastic. And it would be the key. If they can cope with the Bayern pressure, Lyon would do well. If they're under too much pressure by Goretzka, by Thiago, by Kimmich, whoever plays there, Tolisso, whoever... I think then Lyon would have would struggle because if you if you put them under pressure, then Lyon can't get the ball out as well as they should, can't find their, their runners in behind, and it's it's far more difficult then. Moving forward to the forwards, uh, Memphis Depay, as you mentioned, was injured and he only made thirteen appearances, and yet it's shocking to me that in that regard he's one of the best rated players in uh in Lyon's league season he finished the season with nine goals and two assists yeah. and the other uh the other product of that attack is Moussa Dembele who finished third in Lyon's scoring table with 16 goals ahead of Neymar even who was three goals behind him so what are their attacking tendencies in the final third how do they play off of each other and how do they work with the midfielders to score goals yeah I mean Memphis is, is the most interesting one, I think, because, as we said, his captain is maybe the most talented player in that squad. Uh, the injury was bad. He did his knee in December, as I said earlier. Came back, I don't know, after two months he was running. The club was freaking out. They said, like, what are you doing? What are you doing running after two months after such a bad injury? But the guy is a freak of nature. Physically, he's an absolute freak of nature. And I think... I think that this is one thing. The second thing is we know what his best position is, which is a force number nine. The problem is force number nine is great. He works if some if, if behind you have a Nabil Fekir or you have a Tanguy and Dombele or you've got a Nusem Awa, but Awa plays a bit deeper now. And then they needed to sort of find a way of playing both Dembele and Memphis together, which I still don't think is the perfect partnership. I don't. I still think it could improve massively. But they've done well like that at times and not so good at other times. I still think that Dembele works better on his own because he's not really mobile. 
because he's good on his back to goal and he's a, he's a pure finisher. That's, that's what he does. We saw it against City, but he had struggled in the Champions League until the City game. He hadn't scored in eight games before the City game. So what a time to score two, of course. But, but I think Memphis works so much better on his own as well. But again, that could not work this season. So they've, I think they've, they've done the best they could. But it was interesting to see Dembele being dropped both against Juventus and against City because I think Garcia recognised that to play against those teams who play with a high line and your, your best chance to score goals was to run in behind, to play on the counter and run in behind, you could do that much better with Toko Ekambi. And Karto Ekambi arrived from Villarreal in January, had a very good impact straight away. And he's that kind of player. He would run and run and run and run. He would run in behind. Those diagonal runs are great. He, you know, he, he's easy to find. And he will always play on the shoulder of the last defenders, which is exactly what City hated. That's what forced Pep Guardiola to change his system. Pep Guardiola got scared of Carlto Koekambi. I'm going to just repeat that so all the listeners can understand. But Pep Guardiola got scared of Carlto Koekambi. Not of Aubameyang or Vardy or Rashford or Martial or Tammy Abraham or whoever you want in the Premier League because he never played with a back three all season. But yeah, he got scared of Carlto Koekambi, which I guess says you as much about Pep than about Lyon. But that's what Toko Ekambi will do. And that's what he will do against Bayern. He will try to play on the shoulder of Niklas Zule or Jerome Boateng or whoever plays on that right-hand side because it won't be as good as everything that you can find on the left-hand side at Bayern. And that will be the game plan. But I think those three, Depay, Dembele... Toko Ekambi, if you add Ren Adelaide as well and maybe Cherki, Ryan Cherki, who is the, the latest prodigy who turned 17 today, by the way, happy birthday, Ryan, who probably won't come on, but who is the next big thing, in, not just in French football, but in world football, is that good. They have, they, they have people who complement each other, who all can bring something different. And I think the idea of starting with Memphis and Toko Ekambi and then changing them both after an hour, 65 minutes, 70 minutes to bring Ren Adelaide and, and Dembele, Worked really well against Juventus, worked really well against City, and I would expect it the same against Bayern Munich. So if Bayern Munich needs to focus on one thing in their training to truly prepare for this Lyon team, what would that be? What is it that this Lyon team does better than you think anybody else? For me, you shut them down if you shut that midfield down. It's as simple. Okay, Marcel can play long. Of course he can. Marcelo can play long and Denayer can play long. Your, your wing backs can, can, fight, can find some... You know some space and some di- make some differences, but I do think that if you enable Kakre and and Awar, especially even more than Gimresh, to play to get the ball back out to uh, to find the strikers, I think you would have taken a lot of what this team is about. Kakre and Awar were outstanding against Juventus under pressure. They were outstanding against City under pressure, and I'm just already looking forward to. A Goreska Thiago against Kakre Awa sort of battle in midfield on Wednesday night because for me it's that I you know I, of course Lyon will try to 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 play on the counter and running behind so of course watch out for the Marcel for the Marcel long ball for for Toko Combi like we saw against City on the first goal uh, and then you know that the Lyon players like Cornet like Depay like Dubois like Kakre would be right in there for the second ball. You know that. Uh, but I do think that it will all be done in midfield. I even expect Bayern to play a bit deeper and not as the highland that we saw against Barcelona. I think they knew that Barcelona had no one to run in behind anyway. So they could have played their, 
the whole summer had they wanted and they still would have won the game. I think they know that Lyon are far more dangerous on the counter-attack than Barcelona will ever be. And I think maybe against, like, like against Dortmund, if you remember, uh, after the restart in Dortmund, where they played a bit deeper, they were maybe a bit more cautious than that super high line, super high press that we've seen them doing most of the season. And again, we saw against Barcelona. I expect them to maybe have a, have a sort of a middle block pressure kind of thing than, than just going for it straight away because I think they would expose themselves and they don't really need to do that. So, but for me, the key would be in midfield without a doubt. So, just very quickly, what's your prediction for how this match is going to end up? So, the heart says, obviously, Lyon to win 3-0. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, as, as much as this journey has been incredible, and we mentioned the, the Zenit games, and the, the Leipzig games in the group stages, the Benfica games, and then obviously Juventus and, and City. And as much as the one-legged semi-final benefits Lyon, of course, over 90 minutes, anything is possible. And they've proved so many people wrong along the way. I, I really do think that this is a step too high. I really do. And I, I wouldn't go as far as build, you know, saying that Bayern are going to destroy them. But I do, I do think that this is going to be too hard. And I think objectively, really, as much as I would love Lyon to win, objectively, I, I think Bayern will win. I think especially if they score early and if they score first. I mean, this Lyon team is not really designed to, to chase the score and to, you know, to be 1-0 down and, and to go for it. It will work as long as they're 0-0, they will work well. If they take the lead, they will work even better. But if they go behind, it'll be more harder. I would say, and it breaks my heart to say, but I would say 3-1 Bayern because I really do think that this Bayern Munich has something very special. I agree with that scoreline and I agree with the direction that it's going, though. I do, I do expect this Lyon team to put up a fight, though. As you were mentioning things like, oh, this Lyon team is great through the midfield. If if Bayern shuts them down through the midfield, then they're done for. And I was just sitting there and I was saying, if only Bayern had a lot of really good midfielders who like to dominate midfield and possession, then if only Bayern had that, then they'd absolutely yeah. win that game. But uh, the bright side for Lyon fans is that this is not the only Bayern versus Lyon matchup <laughs> this week. Because while you could very easily say that Bayern is probably the favorites to win this entire competition now that Manchester City are out, that's absolutely not the case when FC Bayern Frauen take on Olympique Lyonnais Feminine this Saturday at the Estadio San Mamés in Bilbao. The roster, for those that aren't aware of this Olympique Lyonnais team, reads like an all-star team. Because if the United States women's national team is the best international women's team in the world then you could very easily say that Olympique Lyonnais is the best club team in the world let me just read off this list for you Lucy Bronze from England uh Saki Kumagi from Japan uh you got Eugenie Le Sommer uh, Wendy Renard and Amandine Henri from France uh Jennifer Marozan from Germany uh the Duchess Shanice van der Sanden Alex Greenwood also from England and the reigning women's player of the year from Norway, Ada Hegerberg, and they just got Rose Lavelle yesterday. <laughs> so while Bayern does have a good squad of top German talent, this team is probably just going to blow them out of the water. Does Bayern have any chance in this game, do you think? I don't I don't think so. I have to say, although Ada Hegerberg is still injured, I don't think she, she won't be involved in that game, but they can replace her with Nikita Paris, for example, who's who's been really good for Lyon. And, and although PSG, PSG women in the... Um, in the French Cup final two weeks ago and I showed, showed the way a bit because they played, they were quite aggressive, they played really well, it, it finished nil-nil and, and went to penalties and, and Lyon won that game on penalties. But 
that is just so good. They're just so good. And not just because they have star players, because they've been together for so many years now. It's not just like, oh, yeah, we, we brought in five players in the summer. No, no, no. All those girls have played together uh, for so many years now. They know each other so well. They know the system perfectly. And they've got that winning mentality that I think is so hard to get. You know, the, the sort of Real Madrid type of mentality of you in a competition and you know you're going to win it, especially the Champions League. So... Good luck to Bayern, to Bayern Munich in that one, uh, um, especially on neutral venue. But I do think that it would be a hell, an incredible achievement, really, and a huge upset if, if, if this Bayern side were to be Lyon on Saturday, because I, I do think that they almost are invincible. Final thing that I wanted to bring up, because you are the first uh, French football journalist that we've brought on to the show. Oh, so thank you. I think it's only natural for us to ask your opinion on France football's decision to cancel the Ballon d'Or <laughs> this year because we all know that it would have gone to Robert Lewandowski because he's the best player in the world as of right now, the best striker in the world. I'm not going to say all time because that's wrong, but what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, unlike my uh, my dear colleague Marcotti, for example, I'm, I, I like, the, I like those, those, those awards, those personal awards. I think the players... Love them as well. A lot of the players dream of winning the Ballon d'Or and so would I if I was a player, to be fair. So I was a bit disappointed. I didn't really understand the reason as well properly. Some leagues restarted, not others, but you still had the Champions League and the Europa League to be played. There was enough games through the whole season, really, to, to judge performances, to judge players. Everybody played behind closed doors. It's not like if the Bundesliga was still with fans and all the other leagues were behind closed doors. It was the same... Everybody was on the, you know, on the same line, really. So you could have judged in the same way that you judge a normal season. But they decided not to. It's not, there's no conspiracy, I promise you, all listeners. There's nothing because, because this is France football's most selling um, uh, publication. So every time they do the Ballon d'Or, they sell hundreds of thousands of France footballs everywhere in the world. So it was a, it's a big loss for them not to, not to run the Ballon d'Or. And not to have the Ballon d'Or on their front pages for weeks, 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 weeks and weeks in a row. So, trust me, they, they didn't choose that decision lightly because it would cost them a lot of money. So, I don't think there's conspiracy because, oh, Mbappé and Neymar would not have won it. If PSG win the Champions League, trust me, Neymar or Mbappé would have been very close to that Ballon d'Or. So, uh, it's an unfortunate one. I don't get it. But you know what? I'll trust Robert to come back next season, do the same season and probably even better. And then, for sure, he will win it. I have to agree with you on that one. So that's going to wrap this up for us. Thank you very much, Julian, for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. You can follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. You can follow me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. You can follow Julian on Twitter at Laurence Julien. And until next time, hopefully there's a next time after this, we would be covering the final if there was. We will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.